You're listening to Quran 30 for 30, the Ramadan podcast that reconnects us with the beautiful words of God, one juice a day, with your hosts, Sheikh Omar Suleiman, Sheikh Abdullah Oduro, and a new guest. Let's experience the beauty of the Quran. All right, everyone. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I would bless me and the Shaytan and Jim Sunnah Rahman Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa al-wani illa al-wadimeen, wa al-aqiba to Rilmataqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Alhamdulillah, we are now, subhanAllah, how the time flies. You know it, but when you're going by the adza, just seven. So the, this Ramadan is already moving and we are now um, almost a week in. Uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept. I hope your Ramadan is going well. And I pray that you've been benefiting from uh, this series along with the angels series and the From Deed to Habit series that we've been having. Alhamdulillah, we're joined tonight by Dr. Nazir Khan, who's uh, not just a director of research strategy, but also president of Yaqeen Canada. So it's sort of a U.S.-Canada thing going on here, except I don't like to compare myself to Trump and him to Trudeau. It's just not fair. But uh, Alhamdulillah, he's been preparing for uh, for tonight, so he's got some beautiful insights he's going to share with us, inshallah ta'ala, but we're blessed to have him uh, with us tonight. And of course, uh, Sheikh Abdullah, as always, Alhamdulillah, wonderful to have you uh, on this program. So uh, yesterday we were talking about uh, the ending of Surah Al-Nisa uh, going into Al-Ma'idah. And we really focused on the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to the believers after they've been through the full cycle of being prepared for trial. Okay, so pre-Badr and then post-Badr where Allah gave them victory when they upheld the covenant. And then post-Uhud, where they fell short and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminded them to come back. Now post-Hudaybiyah, and they're in a position of power. And they've been through the full cycle in terms of the lessons that the ummah is to learn. There's a strong emphasis on unity, a strong emphasis on obeying and following the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the Prophet the language by which he should call the people of the book uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as the Prophet ﷺ was now writing letters to world leaders, writing letters to religious scholars around the world, inviting them uh, to his call. The way that this surah, that this juz starts is so beautiful. It starts with uh, the mention of good Christians recognizing the Prophet ﷺ as the messenger that was foretold by Isa by Jesus, peace be upon him. That is the first ayah, and uh, if you look at the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِلَىٰ سَمِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَىٰ رَسُولِ تَرَىٰ أَعْيُنُهُمْ تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ When they see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and then they hear the words that were revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, these people whose hearts were soft and ready for the truth, their eyes filled with tears. Okay? And what does Allah say? مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقِّ Because of what they knew from the truth. They recognized the truth as soon as they saw it. Because they were sincere in their pursuit of truth. Remember, if you're asking Allah for guidance, and Allah gives you guidance, right? As long as your heart is sincere and you are looking for it, then you will see the continuation uh, of that guidance, and you will, you will recognize the vehicles of Allah's guidance. So as soon as they saw the Prophet ﷺ, what did they say? Uh, oh Allah, we believe, so write us down amongst those who have bore witness. If you look at the story of the great leader of Abyssinia, modern-day Ethiopia, Najashi, Ashama, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, 
when he heard the message of Islam, when he heard the recitation about Maryam alayhi salam in particular, and Isa Islam about Jesus and Mary, peace be upon them, what did he say to Ja'far radiallahu anhu? And uh, he, he, not only did he talk about the similarity of the message that he knew and the message that was being brought from the onset, but when he wrote the letter to the Prophet sallallahu he said that I bear witness that you are the messenger that, that Bushira bihi Isa, that Jesus, peace be upon him, gave the glad tidings of. So we were waiting for you and you are the messenger that Isa alayhi salam uh, gave the glad tidings of. Some of the Mufassirin say that this uh, ayah was revealed about 12 Ethiopian priests, Abyssinian priests, when they heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam recite the Quran, they immediately started to cry. They recognized the truth. And so they came to it right away. And Allah goes on to mention his reward for them after that. Uh, then we get into some of the new laws. And so uh, ayah 89, verse 89 of Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces the kafara, the expiation for the breaking of oaths. Um, and he introduces to feed uh, 10 poor people or to clothe uh, 10 poor people. Or if a person, uh, of course, can also fast if they're unable to do so. So Allah introduces this. And this is from what the scholars talk about. Uh, that Allah wants for you ease, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not only made for every sin a form of repentance, but for every breaking of an oath, a form of kafara, a form of expiation, and that expiation is a good deed that would bring you back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as is uh, highlighted here, to either clothe 10 poor people or feed 10 poor people or fast uh, three days to bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Allah then goes on to Verse 90 to 93, the prohibition of alcohol and gambling. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 93 uh, talks about how he's, he's not going to hold people accountable for their previous sins, so welcoming them in. And then, you know, as, as you get into these laws, and again, uh, this is the formation of a community, and so you start to see the laws really develop in this time. Uh, Allah goes back to the people, uh, the people of Musa, the people of Isa, the people of Ibrahim, and then us. And that's going to continue throughout the Jews. So how does this, uh, how does this flow go? It's really beautiful. Uh, verse 101 to 104, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us to not, uh, not to persist in questioning like the people of Moses, like the people of Musa alayhi salam. So that's the 101 to 104. And then uh, after that, 109 to 115, you have the last moments of Isa, of Jesus, peace be upon him, with the Ma'idah, with the table spread. And what is the story of the Ma'idah, of the table spread? The Hawariyun, the disciples of Isa, asking Isa, if he could ask Allah to reveal or to send down a table spread with food from the heavens. And Isa says, to be mindful of Allah if you are truly believers. And what do they say? They say, no, look, we're, we just want to uh, satisfy our hearts and to eat from it. This is not a questioning of God. And this is a gem, by the way, right here, because Allah answers the request of Isa, of Jesus, peace be upon him, when he calls upon Allah and requests that food. The disciples of Christ eat from that food and they're grateful to Allah. And this is a moment that's celebrated in the Quran, which shows you there are two types of questioning. There's the questioning with the aim of truth and gratitude and a questioning with the aim of falsehood and mockery, right? So the, the parable or the distinction is made in a very subtle way between those two types of questioning, the questioning of, of, of sincere truth 
which was found amongst the, the followers of all the prophets in some capacity, but here a very specific group uh, of followers, which are the followers of Isa Islam, the disciples of Isa Islam, who are looked at very favorably, right? They're, they're a righteous group of people uh, that, that are being praised in the Quran. Then you go on to the end of Surah Al-Ma'idah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, rebukes the, uh, the association of Isa Islam, of, of Jesus with God. So it's, it's a refutation of the Trinity and, uh, and Isa Islam testifying on the Day of Judgment, uh, you know, which, which I believe uh, Sheikh Abdullah is going to talk about, inshallah ta'ala, uh, that, that he came to deliver that, that message of the oneness of God. So there's a refutation of Trinity that's given at the end of the surah. And subhanAllah, what's the first verse of Surah Al-An'am? Alhamdulillah ladhi khalaqa samawati wal ard wa ja'ala dhulumati wa nur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, all praises due to Allah, to God, who created the heavens and the earth and made the darkness and the light. So a complete affirmation of Allah's oneness. And that's the first six verses of Surah Al-An'am. Is this beautiful affirmation of Allah's oneness and, uh, and praising uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, glorifying himself and as the creator as the God who brings it all back together. Now, I want to, inshallah ta'ala, as, as we move on to Shaykh Abdullah, uh, how does Allah bring it all back? With Ibrahim Islam, with Abraham, peace be upon him. So Surah Al-An'am, chronologically, is the first introduction of Meccan Qur'an uh, in, in the way that you're reading the Qur'an, right? So it's the first introduction of Mecca Qur'an. The Qur'an thus far as you're reading it, is Madani Qur'an, is Qur'an that was revealed in Medina. So I shouldn't say chronologically, um, but you know, as you're reading the Qur'an from cover to cover, you come across the first verses of Mecca. And it's the purest arguments for the existence of God and the signs of Allah. It's Ibrahim salam, Abraham, peace be upon him, coming to the conclusion of the Creator God, of the One God, uh, using, his, his, uh, using revelation, obviously, uh, the, the stars, the moon, the sun, all of these signs of the creation of Allah. And Ibrahim alayhi salam, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about him uh, that these are the, the, these are the conclusive arguments. These are the conclusive arguments we gave to Ibrahim alayhi salam, to Abraham, peace be upon him, uh, against his people. So this is verses 80 to 82. And then you have the long, you know, you have between verse 83 and 87, uh, you have over 18 prophets listed by name. Okay, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Zechariah, Yahya, uh, John, all of them are listed by name here. And uh, there's something beautiful that the scholars point to in this regard, which is Ibrahim, salam, Abraham, peace be upon him, Allah always brings it back to him because he is the root, right? We go back to him. How did Ibrahim, salam, conceive of God, of the Creator, and how do we unite around that vision of Ibrahim salam, uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of God. And at the same time, the scholars say that what made Ibrahim salam, so, such a perfect model to point to is that both the pagans, the Arab pagans, respected him and the people of the book respected him. So he was honored by the pagan Arabs uh, in Mecca, and he was honored by uh, the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians and others as well for his obvious, you know, it's called the Abrahamic uh, uh, fates for a reason, right? Abraham holds a special place in everyone. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, let's go back to Ibrahim alayhi salam. And how does this just end? Uh, it started off with a verse about sincere people of the book, sincere Christians from Abyssinia, who recognized the truth and who were brought to tears. 
and they immediately uh, ask to be counted amongst those who bear witness. The last verse uh, is, uh, So verses 108 to 110 of Surah Al-An'am, do not insult the deities whom people offer their worship to besides God, because if you insult those that they invoke other than God, then they will turn back and insult God, and no one's going to win. Okay, so even though, and this is beautiful, the languaging of, uh, you know, there's a refutation of Trinity. You can't get around that, right? That's in the Quran. Allah refuting the Trinity. Allah calling the, you know, calling people to the way of Abraham, calling people to the way of the prophets, and it's a, it's a strong rebuke as well as a languaging that's given to the Prophet on how to call the people of the book to Allah. But the last verse is, don't be insulting to those that people call besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even the idols, don't, don't be insulting in a way that would just cause them to insult in return. Because if you use the right uslub of da'wah, the right manners of da'wah, then you might get the result that's in the first part of this, which is the beautiful da'wah of Ja'far radiallahu anhu to the, to the Christians in Abyssinia. Whereas if you get the other side of this where it's insulting, then all you're going to do is provoke an insult in response, encounter, and it's not going to, to bring any type of good. And so that's how the Jews ends, uh, to not insult those that are called on besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, lest they insult Allah in turn in enmity without knowledge. And inshallah ta'ala will hand it off to Shaykh Abdullah. <laughs> Jazakumullah khairan. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'du. As he mentioned, this chapter of Al-Ma'idah is a chapter that, subhanAllah, is very important for us as Muslims, as every chapter is of the Qur'an, but particularly in a, in a land where there is plural, pluralism, uh, we could say healthy pluralism, being that you'll find Muslim, Christians, and Jews coexisting amongst each other. And it's it's... It's paramount that the Muslim has a general understanding of the vibe or let's say what this chapter is per- primarily uh, uh, geared towards and the method of dialogue with the other people, people of faith, the other faiths. And we see here, as he mentioned earlier, how the dialogue with Isa alayhi salam was with the people and Musa alayhi salam. And as he mentioned, what I want to capitalize on, brothers and sisters, is the last page. So primarily uh, verse 116 to the very end, where uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks Isa a question. And it is not, as they say, isti'lam. It is not for Allah, obviously, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not know. But him asking a question to the Prophet is to teach you something and also to rebuke the the people that were que- the, the, the people that were given the message, as you will see here. And subhanAllah, this reminds me, uh, you know, subhanAllah, when I wasn't Muslim and I was asking about Islam, I remember my first question, my first question in a room full of uh, guys from Brooklyn, New York, because, you know, I was really into hip hop. I don't know if y'all know what hip hop is. It's not gymnastics. You go (laughs) Google it, you'll find out what it was, what it is. But my first question was, what do you believe about Jesus? And as soon as they answered that question, subhanAllah, I got really confused. I said, well, this may be what I was looking for my whole life. Now, let's look at this verse, and it puts it all in the context. And answer my question indirectly, or directly, actually. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the Audhu Bilal Shalom Jim, with Allah, Ya Isa, Ya Isa bin Maryam, Antaqulta lin nasit takhiduni wa ummiya ilahaini min dunillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked Isa the question. And when Allah said, O Isa, the son of Maryam, did you tell the people, take me and my mother as gods besides Allah? 
Let's stop here for a minute in the middle of this verse. Firstly, Allah asked the question, and he already knows. He knows that Isa is obedient. He knows that Isa fulfilled the message, fulfilled the obligation. But he's asking to teach you and me a lesson and to show that people did not respond to him. So when he says, uh, did you say uh, to people to take me and my mother as gods? And Isa says, subhanak. Now let's stop with this word subhan. Subhan is masdar, meaning that it has no zaman. That subhan means to, to, to as I say, tanzeeh. So it's really that Allah SWT is far from any conceivable creation because he is the creator. So by default, he is perfect. He has no defect. He is endless. And everything other than him is totally opposite by default. So when we look at that reality, that is what subhan means. That subhan is Allah is far from any form of his creation. So elimination of any creation makes, makes you to uh, law means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great and he is unlike any of his creation. And subhanallah, subhanallah, you see in the Quran when the word subhanahu or subhan, subhanak is mentioned around 20 times in the Quran, it's always a response to Allah being like his creation or the accusation that Allah has a son. You know, when Allah has a son, subhanah, glory to him. You know, it's always glory to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it's always in reference or in context to him being like his creation. Then Isa alayhi salam continues to say, qala subhanak, and noticing that that was his immediate response. It wasn't la yala, la 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 la. It was subhanak. Ma yakunu li an aqula ma laysa li bihaq. It is not for me to say that which I don't have a right to say. How in the world could I say this? Notice the adab, the etiquette, the manners that Isa has with his Lord. When we make dua, what is the etiquette? How fatiha? You're praising Allah, mentioning five of his names before you even ask anything. Then here he says, Subhanak, it is not for me to say that which I have no right. He didn't say, I didn't say that. No, he said, it is inconceivable for me to say anything that is even close, that possibly implies anything of that nature. It is not, I have no right to say that. And if I was to say that, you would know. Always bringing it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he has full knowledge of everything. If I was to say that, you would know. Why? You know what is inside of me, what my heart, my heart conceals, if I'm telling the truth or not, whatever the case may be. And I do not know what you possess. Why is that? What is the reason for that? But verily, you are the knowledgeable of the unseen. You have knowledge of the unseen. You know what really happened. And what's interesting here is, you see how Allah asks a, a rebuking question. It's to rebuke the people that the message of Isa was given to. And you look earlier in the chapter, verse number 109, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The day that Allah will gather the messengers and they will be asked, what was the response that you were given? And that is, yoma is the, uh, is the, it is the time, it is the place of the yawm al-qiyamah. So he asked them that question. They said, Qalu la ilma lana, innaka anta 
They responded with the same answer. Verily, you have knowledge of the unseen. Because we do not fully know what was in their hearts when we gave them the message. We do not fully know because after we left them, did they continue on obeying us or not? You know. And that is the same answer of Isa alayhi salam. Then Isa alayhi salam continues on to say, uh, I have not, uh, I have not, uh, I said not to them except what you commanded me was to worship Allah, my Lord and your Lord. So I was only a vessel used to proclaim the message. And that message is what you ordered me to do. I am not the repository of truth. I am not the source of this message. You are the source and you have used me as a messenger. So when it comes to that, when it comes to that, Isa saying that again is the epitome of respect, is the epitome of servitude. Because if you notice in what everything that his reply is an indirect refutation or it's an indirect reply to those that may say that God is like Isa, that God has any, uh, uh, any human characteristics. So he says here, my Lord and your Lord, and also Rabbi wa Rabbakum, that look, we have the same Lord. And you were a you were a witness as long as I was with them. And you were a witness as long as I was with them. You were the shaheed, madum to him. That you were the ultimate monitor over all of this. There is nothing that would be hidden from you, Ya Allah. As long as I was with them, you were the ultimate monitor. And even after that. And he goes on to say here. And then when you took me, when you took me back, you were the ultimate raqib, the ultimate monitor over them, as you are ala kulli shay'in shaheed, as you are normally at every time the shaheed upon every single thing. So again, it is showing the etiquette of Isa alayhi salam, just mentioning the characteristics of Allah, mentioning his characteristics which is showing that, look, you have total authority over all of this. Then he goes on to say, If you were to punish them, if you were to punish them, then indeed they are your servants. But if you were to forgive them, then indeed you are the exalted, the mighty. You know, Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, he said, I was with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam layla, and he was reciting this verse. And he kept reciting this verse, when he was prostrating and bowing. And then subhanAllah, he said, I left and I came back in the morning and the Prophet ﷺ was reciting this verse. And he was, he was praying, he was prostrating and bowing. If you were to punish them, then verily they are your slaves. And if you were to forgive them, for verily you are uh, Al-Aziz Al-Hakim. And then subhanAllah, seeing that Allah is Al-Aziz, he is the Almighty, his might is appropriated when needed. It's appropriated, meaning that Allah applies his might, whether it's punishing, when needed. Why? Because it's based off of hikmah. When we see two names, always look at the context. He is the almighty and the, his, his, his might is applied and that application is based on ultimate wisdom. And we have to remember that when we see things happen nowadays in the past, present, and even in the future, that it is done with an ultimate Wisdom. And Isa alayhi salam continues on to say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qala hadha yawmu yunfa'u sadiqeen asidquhum. This is the day that all, that all the people, the truthful people will benefit from their truthne- truthfulness. For them are gardens beneath in which rivers flow, wherein they will abide forever, Allah being pleased with them and they pleased with him. 
And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on. He says, and to Allah belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth. And he is whatever is in the earth and, uh, and authority over all things. So the beauty of this dialogue between Isa and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. First, we notice that Isa is always termed as Isa bin Maryam, which is a proof that Isa is the son of someone and her name is Maryam alayhi salam. And this dialogue with Isa, the response of Isa is the epitome of servitude. And taking that as an example, when we want to call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we want to tell people about this message. And lastly, I had the opportunity, subhanAllah, whenever I read this, it reminds me of how I was given, there was a Catholic one time, and they were Catholic, and subhanAllah, they wanted the message had to be translated in Spanish. And when this message was translated in Spanish, later they eventually became Muslim because they saw that Islam was a religion that regarded Maryam at a high degree, to the degree that there's a chapter named after her, and that Isa alayhi salam, was a worshiper of God. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us to be uh, that of Isa and show reverence to him as <laughs> the other. So what we've kind of been doing in this series is we've been going through uh, each surah by focusing on the overall message in the surah. And there, there's actually a discipline called maqas of the surah, the objectives of each chapter in the Quran. So you may be familiar with tafsir going verse by verse, where you explain one verse, then you move on to the next verse. Um, but there's a, there's a whole discipline that looks at how these different verses are connected together to relate to the overall message that the surah is giving us, to relate to the overall theme of the surah. And that allows you to understand what's the connection between why Allah mentions this story and that passage and this example. How do these all come together? So you've gotten a taste of that through some of the summaries that you've heard uh, so far in the series. Um, and really, that's what tadabbur is, right? Uh, the reflection on the Qur'an. Uh, Imam al-Shatibi, rahimahullah, he said, فَالتَّدَبُّرْ إِنَّمَا يَكُونُ لِمَنِ الْتَفَتَ إِلَى الْمَقَاسِدِ What tadabbur really is, contemplate on the Qur'an, really is about considering what's the overall message, what's the overall point of what's being uh, conveyed to us. And Imam al-Biqai is, is one of the classical scholars, the student of Ibn Hajr, who wrote a work focusing on the maqasid of the, uh, of the surahs of the Qur'an, the objectives of each surah, what is uh, the overall message. So in the surahs that we've uh, talked about previously, just to recap, you have Surah Al-Fatiha, you know, giving us the prayer for, for guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Surah Al-Baqarah responds to that and tells you guidance is going to come by developing taqwa in every aspect of your lives. Then you have Surah Al-Imran, which is showing us the reality of faith and how faith is developed in times of trial and tribulation. Then you have Surah An-Nisa, which shows us that the, uh, society uh, the society of faith is constructed upon justice. And justice is the most fundamental building block regarding the, the rights of others uh, and the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. And then we come to Surah Al-Ma'idah and Surah Al-An'am. So what can we learn about the, uh, the maqasid for Surah Al-Ma'idah and, and, and Surah Al-An'am? So first of all, Surah Al-Ma'idah, the overall objective is right at the beginning. O oh, you who believe, fulfill your agreements. And Surah Al-Ma'idah is the Surah in the Quran that has most of these, uh, most of the verses uh, directed at believers mentioning, they come in Surah Al-Ma'idah. And just to focus on, on one of the verses in Surah Al-Ma'idah, one of the profound lessons that we can, uh, we can take from this uh, passage, if you go to verse 90 and 91 in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the prohibition of alcohol and gambling. 
And you know that alcohol was prohibited in stages. And the final verse of, of the prohibition came in Surah Al-Ma'idah, where Allah subhanahu wa says, فَجْتَنِبُوا uh, Abstain from it completely. Now the next verse, verse 91, is very interesting. Verse 91 tells us that shaitan's overall goal behind alcohol and gambling is two things. That goal number one for shaitan is he wants to spread amongst you animosity and hatred. He wants you to be enemies with one another and to develop hatred. And number two is and to prevent you from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from the salah. So will you not desist? Is that not enough for you to avoid? So think about this. Shaitan's, there, there's so many goal, there's so many harms associated with alcohol, right? But shaitan's primary goal with alcohol is to make you hate one another, to make you enemies of one another. So if you're doing that without the alcohol, then shaitan gets to say mission accomplished, right? You're doing his job anyways. He doesn't even need the alcohol. You're already spreading hatred and animosity. So there's, there's so many things we can do to counteract shaitan, but if you just focus on these two things and make a commitment this Ramadan, that what I really want to develop is I want to make sure that I never allow shaitan to put in my heart seeds of hatred or animosity for another uh, brother or sister, and I never want to allow shaitan to make me negligent with regards to my prayers or to divert me away from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa If you can focus on those goals, you'll have thwarted the, the primary goals uh, of shaitan. Now, when it comes to Surah Al-An'am, as Sheikh Omar mentioned, this is the first Makki Surah after a sequence of Madani Surahs, and it reminds us of Surah Al-Fatiha even in how it begins. And Surah Al-An'am gives us this full elaboration of Tawheed, and it begins by mentioning that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is the one who made light and darkness. And the word darkness, dhulamat, comes in this surah more than anywhere else in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us an analysis of the psychology of disbelief. What is it going, what is going on in the mindset of one who rejects the truth? What is going on in the mindset of one who uh, wants to insist upon uh, idolatry and, and setting up partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So uh, Surah Al-An'am takes us back to the fundamental question of existence, which is, what is the purpose of my life? The question every single human being has to encounter. And what Surah Al-An'am uh, shows us is it actually illustrates the different objections that the Quraysh had towards the message of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Surah Al-An'am is the surah in the Quran that has more often than any other surah, uh, the verses beginning with Qul, right? Qul, say to them, and responding to the objections. It has more often than any other surah, uh, the, the root words related to shirk and to takvib, uh, uh, idolatry and, uh, and denial of the message. So one of the things that we see in Surah Al-An'am is there's so many verses related to the concept of radical skepticism. The idea that no matter how much proof is presented to a person, they'll never accept it. You see this in, in, in throughout the surah, and you can go through and, and look at the different verses from uh, right from the beginning in verse four of the surah, uh, and perhaps one of the most explicit references in the surah, verse 25, where Allah subhanahu wa says, وَإِن يَرَوْ كُلَّ آيَةٍ لَا يُؤْمِنُوا بِهَا if, Even if they were to see every single sign, they still wouldn't believe. This mindset of radical skepticism is something that you know, a person's never going to find enough uh, uh, proof to, to, to come to belief. And it's so interesting. I remember that uh, seeing a debate between um, an atheist and a psychologist, and the atheist said, prove to me God exists. And the psychologist turned it around and said, what would you need to see in order to convince you that, that, that God exists? 
And he said, um, you know, I, I would need to see God directly. And he said, okay, if, if you saw him directly, would you actually believe that God exists? And he said, no, nah, actually, I'd, I would probably think I'm having a bad hangover, right? So no amount of proof is sufficient to convince the one who is hell-bent on denying the message. And there, there's a, you know, a, a forthcoming article that, uh, that I've written for Yaqeen that focuses on the connection between radical skepticism and atheism in the writings of uh, Sheikh Hussami ibn Taymiyyah, which goes into more detail on that. But I just want to conclude with the parable that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-An'am, which is so powerful, which is the parable of somebody going on a path um, with their companions. Uh, and, they're, and they're going on a path and then they get lost. And if you ever, uh, you know, when this whole COVID-19 thing is over and you want to go traveling somewhere, if you ever travel to Banff National Park and you see all the thousands of beautiful trails there, and that's a little plug for Canadian uh, tourism there. <laughs> if you ever, if you go, ever go to Banff National Park and you see uh, thousands of trails, you know how easy it is to get lost on those trails and to start wandering around in the forest and wondering, where on earth am I? So Allah Pranta says, um, you know, it's it, like the example of one who in, in verse 71, the person who gets lost and the, the shayateen are calling him away from the path. And he has people uh, on the path saying to him, uh, they're telling him to come back, come back to the guidance. And the person is just getting lost. And there's that, that theme of, uh, uh, of darkness repeated again and again in the surah because ultimately the choice between truth and falsehood is like the choice between, do you want to stand in the light or do you want to remain in the dark? Do you want to see meaning in life? Do you want to pursue a paradigm of life that allows you to actualize spiritual, moral, intellectual growth in your journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that's what Islam calls us towards. And, and later in the surah, we also see the example of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning iman is something that gives a person life, right? So these, these examples that are mentioned in the surah, they, they really uh, allow us to reflect on how the tawheed paradigm Right, that paradigm of seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as your ultimate purpose in, in, in life and seeing all of life as a journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how it radically transforms everything in the way that we live our lives. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to actualize uh, that message in our lives. Absolutely beautiful. So what I understood from your message is if you want to be lost, then go to Canada, right? Then you'll <laughs> you go to Banff. And, and some, that's what I got from everything you just said. Just go to uh, yeah, Canada, GPS doesn't work in the, uh, in the world. So uh, Americans, uh, yeah, if you rely on GPS, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> May Allah bless you. SubhanAllah, one thing that as, as you know, uh, you know, my, 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 my sheikh, who's, who's also my father-in-law, did a whole course on Aqidah, uh, just from Surah Al-An'am, meaning the entire course of Aqidah, he's going to teach you creed, and we're just going to use Surah Al-An'am. So Tafsir Surah Al-An'am was our muqaddimah fil Aqidah. It was beautiful, just an introduction to creed, because it's Meccan, but it's also like Medanian style. It's long, and it's elaborate, and it just draws those concepts out of monotheism, both in a way that allows us to properly contextualize idolatry and also, you know, uh, the people of the book and how we deal with previous scripture and, and really try to get to uh, the Abrahamic way, we try to get to the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And uh, as we said, you know, subhanAllah calls us with such pristine concepts and then gives us the rhetoric to where we can call other people to that without being insulting, but instead inviting them back to that way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with hikmah, with wisdom and beautiful preaching. 
so that they could be like those people that start off that juz that they just hear it and they go, wait a minute, like Sheikh Abdullah, you, you know, you, you knew it was the truth when you just heard it. A lot of people have that sentiment. First time they hear it, it's like, this makes sense, right? All the prophets sent by one God connecting to the God of Abraham, it encompasses all of the prophets and messengers. And so when we take people back to that and not become insulting, but instead highlight the beauty of that, then uh, we can also experience it at a deeper level. So Jazakumullah khairan, I really enjoyed your presence, Dr. Nadir, and uh, may Allah bless you, uh, Shaykh Abdullah as well. And, and uh, inshallah, we'll see you all tomorrow night. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode and subscribe to this series. If you like this episode, you'll love our other content. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org or download our app from the App Store. Until next time, this has been Quran 30 for 30.